Hello, and welcome to the FastFill. FastFill is a podcast series sponsored by Natural Gas Vehicles for America, the national organization dedicated to the development of a growing, profitable, and sustainable marketplace for vehicles powered by natural gas and biomethane, and for promoting the use of more natural gas in transportation. I'm your host, Dan Gage, president of NGV America, but with a full summer vacation and travel schedule before me, I'm turning over the reins of this episode to NGV America's Director of Federal Government Affairs, Allison Cunningham. She's joined by Gray Robinson's Chris McCannell to discuss both the infrastructure and surface transportation reauthorization packages currently moving through Congress. Allison? Thanks, Dan. As Dan mentioned, I'm Allison Cunningham, and I am Director of Federal Government Affairs for NGV America. I handle all of NGV America's work in the federal legislative space. That includes our work with Congress, lobbying on Capitol Hill, and managing our Federal Government Advocacy Committee. I'm joined today by Chris McCannell of Gray Robinson. Uh, NGV America recently brought on Chris as an additional set of hands in the lobbying space, particularly because there's so much federal activity going on right now. Uh, So Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Great. Thanks, Allison. Um, And thank you as well, Dan. Uh, I'm really happy to be working with NGV America. Um, I come to the team with uh, 15 years of experience on Capitol Hill, including 10 years as chief of staff to two members of uh, the Democratic caucus, including for Congressman Joe Crowley, who's um, formerly in the Democratic leadership and a member of the Ways and Means Committee. I worked with him from um, from 1998 to 2007 um, and, and really helped launch his career and his position in Democratic leadership. Uh, for the last 10 years I've been doing advocacy, um, and for the last uh, six years with the team that I'm with at Gray Robinson, we were formerly a boutique government relations firm uh, focusing on tax, trade, financial services, and transportation um, clients. And about, uh, about two and a half years ago, almost three years ago, this, um, this February, we were acquired by um, Gray Robinson, which is Florida's number two largest law firm and one of the largest lobbying presences in Tallahassee. So we're their D.C. office. But there's still a small team of about five of us here, still has a boutique feeling. Um, I pride myself as being hands-on, um, high-touch um, engagement with clients, um, and, and and really um, understanding the issues and being part of the team. Great, Chris. Thanks so much. And we're really excited to have you on board, uh, something that listeners may not be aware of, but bringing you on board to help me out in the federal space has been a result of, of the political leadership council that we have launched, and that's kind of just getting the natural gas vehicle industry more involved in all things legislative, political, and kind of everything else. Uh, I mentioned that we're really grateful to have you on board and helping because there's so much that's been going on in this space. Uh, We obviously have surface transportation reauthorization that we've been working on that will expire in September and need to be reauthorized. Last year, that was reauthorized with a one-year extension We're also having lots of conversations around Washington's favorite buzzword, which is infrastructure. We always joke that we're in a perpetual infrastructure week. So now there have been bipartisan conversations around that that have been going on. It looks like the Senate will take some action on that next week. And then, of course, we're always interested in what's going on in the tax space. So we'd just love to hear your thoughts. Can you give listeners a brief recap on kind of what's happened in the surface transportation space and what you think will happen next? Great. Well, thanks. And uh, um, 
and I've come to this with a number of clients um, was, where I was working um, both in conjunction with NGV America, uh, aligned with Allison and, and, and the team led by Dan, um, including the truck stop operators and others, um, U.S. Travel, um, and, uh, and other uh, associated equipment distributors, other transportation-related clients. So, <clears throat> Allison, you... <clears throat> Allison, you've done a great job of touching on what what has happened, what will be happening. I think what was really um, for us um, most recently, you know, starting off the year, the president laying out his his initiatives, the American Rescue Plan, to the, the initiative to build to to, um, to uh, as well his American Jobs Plan and his American Families Plan. You have those three tenants that he laid out. One was signed the law. That was the rescue plan, which we're seeing. We're seeing distributions of vaccines. But the American Jobs Plan, which is his infrastructure transportation um, ideas, looks like it's going to go in a much different direction than what the president really envisioned. And you talked about that with the bipartisan infrastructure agreement um, that um, had, that has um, been, um, I guess, you know, agreed to by a, a, a group of, um, of 21 members who've been sort of negotiating, but really about 10 of them working hand in glove um, every day, probably like the last four to five weeks to kind of come to uh, an agreement on what infrastructure would look like that would also be paid for. And it looks like about a $1.2 trillion deal. And that's really being led by um, Senator Rob Portman of Ohio um, and Congressman, I'm sorry, Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona have been the um, Republican and Democrat respectively who've been taking major point on that. Um, and they've been joined with other members of, of their caucuses. Um, what we know right now is that Senator uh, Chuck Schumer is going to try to move forward with sort of a, a test vote that we're going to see on the week of the 19th um, of July to create a deadline. There's been, um, even though there's been um, a coalescence and support of, of a variety of these these senators from, from different backgrounds, um, they have yet to really kind of come to a final decision, sort of signed off and said, okay, let's, let's all jump. And what the senator's trying to do is like create that deadline, which, you know, Congress works best when it, when it has a deadline up against sometime in the middle of next week. So that's happening. Um, Previously on the House side, the House had uh, moved forward with their big infrastructure bill um, to lead up on this called Invest in America, which was um, which was led by Chairman Peter DeFazio. Um, that was sort of a building upon what they passed last Congress. It had a lot of the green technology and priorities of the House Democratic uh, majority. Um, it was some, a bill that um, did not really have any pay-fors. Um, it had only really touched the Transportation Infrastructure Committee and the Energy and Commerce Committee. That's the energy part. Um, it was sort of like, but it was really the Democrat, House Democrats messaging on how far they went. So, um, so what we'll likely see is what, you know, if, and I, and I believe when, I think this infrastructure plan in the Senate is, is, is going to be the vehicle. Um, it might have a few starts and stops as, as it moves, as it goes forward in the next three, uh, in the week of the 19th, the week of the 26th, and that first week of August, the Senate's supposed to be in. Um, but it will likely be the vehicle that, you know, the House will end up having to, you know, pass this. And it will be, it will fundamentally um, kind of achieve that the president's desire to do a, a major infrastructure bill um, for that American jobs plan, part of, um, part of his agenda. 
that's a really excellent explanation, a really great way of looking at it. Uh, you're exactly right that, uh, you know, for those of us who've been watching for a while, you know, August recess is coming up and that's the time when usually lawmakers leave Washington for the month and you can expect to not have a whole lot going on during those few weeks. But as always, June and July tend to be, you know, as I tell folks, the two busiest months of Congress, frankly, you know, in addition to, you know, many of January when things are getting going and you're meeting lots of new members and everything else on a year with a new presidential administration, a new majority in the Senate and lots of new members in the House, you know, really busy couple of months just before that August deadline when everyone's really trying to get things taken care of. So um, we're hearing that, you know, people are putting pen to paper on that bipartisan, bipartisan infrastructure agreement. So that'll be interesting to see, obviously, with uh, the amount of priorities they're trying to get at and the amount of money they're looking to spend on that. Uh, the devil will be in the details. They're going to need to get a lot of legislative text in a really short period of time. So that will be interesting to watch and see. Uh, another issue that you mentioned is the pay force. We get that a lot when we're having conversations in the tax space. Uh, listeners may or may not be aware of, you know, NGV America is the leader in Washington, D.C. in lobbying for an extension of the alternative fuels tax credit, up to 50 cent per gallon tax on the sale and use of natural gas, propane, and a couple of other alternative fuels uh, when used in transportation. So we're the lead on that. We have conversations on that. We're also proposing an introduction of a dollar per gallon renewable natural gas on-road credit. Uh, but the conversation of pay force comes up a lot in the tax space because people want to make sure that um, they're spending responsibly. So generally what happens is we see tax movement at the end of the year, but with a lot of things going on right now, Chris, what do you think as far as tax legislation, what it might look like, whether it'll be in an infrastructure package and kind of where that might head? That's a great question, Allison. I think when you look at the bipartisan partisan infrastructure package, the Republicans, senators who came to the table, made it very clear that issues around changing the, um, the 2017 tax bill, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, was a non-starter. So that's also been part of their delay in, in coming to a final uh, agreement because they want it to be paid for, at least the infrastructure parts to be paid for, but they don't want to go to some of the more the easier pay-fors that are out there. Um, so I think for businesses that are trying to look look at, you know, in the, in the near future, you can maybe breathe a slight sigh of relief. Um, they're looking at other pay-fors, um, increased IRS enforcement is one of them, uh, to actually get the IRS to collect, you know, what is due. Um, they're also looking at some um, some user fees, some tariffs, some also the you know the perennial issue around the gas tax as well. Um, you know that, that kind of got wrapped up in the president saying he does not want to raise taxes on people making under four hundred thousand families making under four hundred thousand um, dollars, and they, he believes that the gas tax would do that. It was amplified by. Um, uh, Transportation Secretary Buttigieg as well. Is there a way to figure that out? Is there a way for the administration to compromise? Is there a way to get some sort of a credit for low-income people? That's being talked about as well. Um, I think, you know, I, one thing to think about, and we'll see as this airs, you know, does that part of the infrastructure, does that $1.2 trillion shrink somewhat, right? Does the, does the package fit the pay-fors? That's what's going to be interesting right now. 
Um, but to Allison's point, as we get further into the year, as you look to the reconciliation bill, we're able to talk after the Democrats have come to an agreement on a $3.5 trillion budget for the next fiscal year. That kicks off that whole reconciliation process that gives um, the Senate the ability to move on a partisan vote, on a 51-vote majority, um, changes the tax code. And that's where I think, you know, at NGV America, um, working with you, Allison, and uh, we have to be incredibly um, vigilant. Um, we have to be both on the defense as well as on the offense. You know, defense. There's, there's, you know, there's certainly going to be some provisions there that impact companies. Um, when you look at the broader pay fors, there's kind of two big pay fors that get to over two trillion dollars. One being this global international minimum tax that you've probably seen in the news that Secretary Yellen has come to an agreement on 15% on, as a global base tax. Um, so have, they'll likely count that as a pay-for and implementation of that treaties um, you know, um, with other countries. You, um, uh, uh, the tax, you know, the, a tax avoidance that will be deferred um, can get you to um, part of that way. The other big pay for is there's been sort of a, I think, a consensus throughout the Democrats and both the House and the Senate that the corporate tax, you know, needs to be raised, that it was set um, artificially low under under the Trump tax cuts to 20 percent. Um, the administration has, uh, has sort of floated 28 percent, but more, I think more likely 25 percent. Um, being that sweet spot, and that I think those two together get you um, like two thirds of the way to where the Democrats want to be on three point five trillion dollars. What's going to be interesting on those other issues that come up um, to you know to close that gap um, and what those what those means. That's where that's where we have to be on the defense, Allison, and and, and really be um, aware of anything that could possibly impact you know the um, energy businesses. Um, in the natural gas vehicle community. Well said. Yeah, could not have said that as effectively as you did there, Krista. Thank you for that. Uh, and I would agree that we're keeping an eye out. You know, we hear lots of whispers of certain things that might impact us. We've heard about, you know, proposals for, you know, a heavy-duty truck on-road tax that would be very specific to those trucks, keeping an eye out for that. We certainly would not want to see something that's very specific to that. Um, but also, you know, we're really focused on the RNG tax credit, which is an on-road fuel credit that would be a dollar a gallon for that. You know, it's really similar to the existing alternative fuel tax credit, you know, continues to get on-road RNG use. But uh, could you tell folks just a little bit about that and kind of why you think some of our messaging has been really well received by, particularly by Democrats we've been speaking to? Um, yeah, and on that's the opportunistic part, right? On a, on a large bill like a um, reconciliation um, bill, and remember this reconciliation feeds into the president's what he's calling the American Families Plan, investment in human capital and human infrastructure. So when you talk, hear about things like child care tax credit, when you hear about um, an elder care uh, tax credit, paid family medical leave, um, um, free community college and other issues like that, this is what they're, this is the framework around how to pay for those. Um, so, um, so the RNG tax credit that Allison talked about was the top priority of NGV America, um, putting a dollar per gallon uh, equivalent credit for the use of renewable uh, natural gas 
is something that we're hoping to build momentum to be included in a large package. When Congress deals with these large packages, when they make such wide scale changes to the tax code, there's you know this is an opportunity for everyone to kind of uh, sort of be part of that if you if you can build enough momentum to get yourself in there. So um, we've been doing a number of meetings, particularly um, with Senate and House Democrats. They're the ones you know who have the gavel, who have the pen, and we've had some um, positive support. Uh, you know, particularly, I think um, folks in California have been very receptive. Uh, the use of, of RMG as, as a fuel and in, in, in fleets in California, the um, data that has come back from the California Air Resource Board um, as to the um, zero and also negative um, GHG impact of RNG has been very compelling. And we're starting to build out more to some you know, new allies and, and new, um, hopefully potentially new advocates. But it's something that we're going to need you know, to count on the natural gas community um, and all different stakeholders and parts of it to help us build that awareness and momentum to, 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 get, the, to get this new credit introduced and, you know, you know, hopefully part of some bigger Democratic proposal. What's interesting, just one other thing, is what's interesting about the reconciliation as well, we talked about that bipartisan infrastructure. We talked about how that kind of has subsumed into the American um, jobs plan, that infrastructure part that Biden talked about. All, so there's been a momentum now for all those green initiatives and, um, to move on to this next to this, this reconciliation bill. So, then, so you know, I, I I think you can you know really legitimately argue that a one dollar you know gasoline uh, ga- uh, gallon of gas equivalent tax credit is incredibly green and fits with what House and Senate Democrats are trying to do to expand the green energy um, investment in the United States. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that what you said also really went into the next question I was going to ask you and kind of laying the groundwork for folks who may not be in the weeds of this as much as we are. You know, we have a really good opportunity coming up. And one thing that we've mentioned in meetings is we're thanking staffers and and Democrat offices and Republican offices for making action, taking action on climate change, making legislative moves to decarbonize and clean up transportation, whether it's geologic or renewable natural gas. And I think that a lot of folks, you know, felt like they were sitting on the sidelines a little bit last year because we had so much COVID activity going on and are saying, okay, infrastructure, this is it. This is our big chance. But truly, when you have even an existing tax credit, it's something that takes a long time and it takes a lot of work. So while we're doing everything we can to get a tax credit taken care of and introduced this year, you know, usually lobbying for major priorities like this is a several-year undertaking. I think that's part of why it's so important that our industry continues to see the value in lobbying and continues to see the value in getting engaged politically, uh, you know, and for folks to be engaged with our political leadership council. But we'd love to hear your thoughts, you know, on kind of how important that is to an industry and to their priorities. Absolutely, Allison. I think, you know, from the meetings that you and I have had with the coalition that you've, that you've created, you can tell that, you know, well, the, the top, challenge is really the education of understanding, you know, what the natural gas vehicle industry looks like, what the fuel product is like, what the potential is on renewable fuel. Um, so it takes 
a long time to build that um, staffer awareness and, and and background education. It's been, I think, even even harder in this in these days of COVID, where you know staffers you know are being pulled in so many different directions, and particularly for Democrats, are also working with like so much incoming on the Democrats who are in these committees who want to pass legislation or create their own mark, like we saw in the House on an infrastructure bill on priorities of the uh, of the president's priorities or Senate priorities where each house is trying to make their own, trying to get their own position and, and get their own advantage. So you know, advocacy is so important. Looking at things also in a long-term timeline, you know, we are working our hardest first and foremost to protect the industry on anything that's happening on the bipartisan agreement or on the reconciliation, but also to be opportunistic and to be, and, and to look forward when you look at the, the $1 uh, RNG credit. But, it, you know, it is something that you have to do day in, day out. It is something that you have to um, do 365 days a year. And it's something you also have to continue to do, you know, every single Congress. You know, finally, if you look at the makeup of this Congress, the narrow five-seat majority in the House, the, the evenly split Senate, look back and see a lot of the things that were put in place. When you look at the renewable fuel tax credit, when you look at the sort of the, you know, the start of the, uh, natural gas vehicle industry and sort of the, the, the run-up in that, the majority of these members weren't even there when this stuff happened. You know, they they weren't part of that. Um, and even if you look at on the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, a lot of you know, for the Republicans, a lot of those members weren't there as well because they had such a large freshman class this year. You know, um, there's just tremendous change in Congress. So the education is so important day in and day out. Yeah, definitely. And we're glad to have you helping us in our educational efforts and in doing those meetings and in reaching out to, you know, we've always been really good at NGV America about reaching out to everybody we, we can, but it's simply a matter of, yeah, again, you'll do a lot of doubling back in some ways because staffers change over so quickly, um, particularly in the house, we're going to be meeting with the same office this year and it'll feel like you you're giving a new staff for the same dog and pony show. Maybe you gave them six or eight months ago, but the good news for our industry is that we're going into these offices with good news. You know, we're going in there telling them about an amazing product that we have that is on road, that is available, that's domestic, that's affordable, that really could revolutionize transportation, particularly in the heavy duty markets and areas that have higher emissions and more difficult to abate. Um, they also have a great focus on dealing with frontline communities and ensuring that they're represented and that their needs are heard and that they're not dealing with, you know, dirty air and other impacts that maybe they've been left behind in the past. Is there anything about that that you could touch on and kind of maybe tell our audience a little bit more about? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, Allison, you did a great job of um, leading into that. I think for, you know, the, both the president as, as well as congressional Democrats have talked a lot about equity, right? And a lot about, um, you, know, in, in, you know, environmental challenges that, you know, com communities of color or communities that are disproportionately um, working class face. You know, we, we, we've seen this, we've seen higher rates of asthma, we've seen, you know, um, how health outcomes that are, you know, below, below the average. So the Democrats are really trying to approach this to, you know, to, that, to see that as you put cleaner fuels, as you put cleaner vehicles on the road, you're going to see a, a stronger impact on the local communities of 
you know, and particularly the ones that are closest to these, you know, transit corridors, right? Um, it, you know, it, it's harder to move a neighborhood, but it's, a, but it's a lot easier to clean up the air and then to clean up the vehicles that are driving through those neighborhoods or driving through those job, you know, to and from those job centers. You know, those are conversations we've had with a number of members, particularly in high density cities like the LA, LA County, uh, Los Angeles area. And others, and they recognize they recognize that that we play an important role in that, and one that they want to partner with us on. Right, and I mean, you know, you and I live in an urban area, even though we're not technically maybe in a frontline community, but it does have a huge impact. I mean, when you have affordability of transit, you know, you can have cleaner renewable transit bus fuels right now that don't bring up the cost on riders. That's a huge deal, or even just kind of quality of life in cities. You know, if you have a natural gas-powered refuse truck, that's going to be a lot quieter. Uh, you know, and as someone who lives in a city with their window, their bed near a window, I really appreciate that and wish all the trucks that came through our city were running on quiet, clean natural gas. Um, yeah, so I think that hopefully folks had a chance to get to know Chris a little bit more today, learn a little bit more about the work that he and Gray Robinson are doing for us. We're very excited to have them on board. We're very appreciative of our members of our kind of inaugural political leadership council for those who are interested in getting more engaged in our industry and in our lobbying efforts, you can always reach out to us in GB America. I know Dan will wrap up with some contact information at the end here, but we do have our political leadership council, which will get more updates from Chris, kind of higher level, more detailed briefings and opportunities for Capitol Hill outreach through participation in that group. And then NGV America members, participate in our federal government advocacy committee, which is the committee that I run. We have a meeting once a month virtually. It's usually on the last Thursday of a month. And we'll give a thorough update on everything we're working on in both the federal legislative and the federal regulatory space. And then I, of course, provide periodic email updates on moving legislation and important opportunities. So would hope that folks who are not involved would take the time to get to know us and get involved. And just want to thank you again, Chris, for both your time this afternoon and for the work that you and Blair and all the team at Career Robinson have been doing for and with NGV America. And I think we have a lot of exciting things coming up for our industry. Great. Thanks, Allison. I'm happy to be part of the team. Thank you. 